it's time to sort out some midterm mumbo jumbo on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, my dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and I just want to start out with a few housekeeping uh, type things. Um, I do have a new studio of sorts. Um, uh, if you're watching me on YouTube, you'll notice a, little, a new, a little bit warmer of a background. Um, so we're able to do some shuffling with the space that we have here um, at the GoFam office. And uh, this is much more comfortable and nice. And the best thing that we did is I actually have sort of a dual microphone set up now. So I have vision going into season four of doing more uh, some interviews and having some guests uh, with me as well. So something to look forward to there. And now we are completely set up to do that. And so um, I thought my last uh, setup looked a little sterile and bland and kind of looked like I was in a warehouse. So this looks warmer and a little bit more inviting. So I hopefully it is more visually pleasing for you. I always have to chuckle when I do podcasts because it is very much just in the middle of my life. And uh, so today I had a filling, uh, I guess, refilled. Is that the way to say it? Um, I had a filling in, in one of my teeth my only cavity I ever had. And I think I was just a kid. So the filling is almost as old as I am. <laughs> and of course it was made out of silver. So my body just went down in value as they took out that old filling. I have, I have decreased in value uh, monetarily since we've talked last because they replaced my filling. And uh, so the right side of my cheek is still just a little bit numb, uh, but I think my voice sounds okay. Um, hopefully I won't trip over uh, the words that I'm saying for you. But, you know, as the story goes, the show must go on. And so a little dental work certainly isn't going to stop me. And uh, I'm recording this on uh, Wednesday, November 9th, the day after election day. And uh, there has been some uh, midterm news. Uh, and I, I do follow this politically very closely, the polling and all the things that happen. And, and unfortunately, we don't really have a result yet. And that's kind of been more of the, the rule than the exception with some of these elections is we don't always get the results. The country is so divided, it seems down the line, that we don't always get a clear answer always. This podcast is entitled Midterm Mumbo Jumbo. Now the term mumbo jumbo, uh, the definition is complicated activity or language usually intended to obscure and confuse. <laughs> Unnecessarily involved and incomprehensible language or gibberish. Now my goal of this podcast isn't for my podcast to be mumbo jumbo, but to try to decipher some of the midterm mumbo jumbo that has taken place uh, leading up to this election cycle. Now, 
The goal of this podcast isn't just to recite talking points that you would hear on Fox News or CNN or any of these uh, talking heads that you see on the TV. My goal is to approach this from a cultural standpoint and some of the things that we are seeing and monitoring uh, from a kingdom standpoint uh, in these political cycles. And so it's my pleasure to at least give you my perspective. Now, we don't have an answer uh, as far as politically what is going to happen, but there are some things that really jumped out at me, um, some things that I think have been somewhat sobering, uh, and some things that have been encouraging. And so I want to uh, give my perspective. Now, um, there was this talk of a red wave, and that usually implies uh, a term, uh, you know, the Republicans are considered red, the Democrats considered blue, and a red wave would imply a dramatic change in the political environment, usually sort of a either a mandate or a reprimand to the sitting president and his administration. And of course, with high inflation and the economy and increased in crime and porous borders, uh, there was an expectation or at least a hope from the Republican side of the aisle that there would be a red wave uh, that did not necessarily materialize. Um, and they're calling it more of a red ripple. <laughs> I love some of these political terms. More of a red ripple than a red wave. Um, uh, and so things aren't called yet. Um, I think it's interesting on a side note. Now, I, I've said this before in regards to COVID and and the previous elections that I, you know, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist uh, of sort. Um, however, if you've listened to my previous podcast, there have been some things that just raise my eyebrows when it comes to election integrity. And I have to say, here we go again, because it seems like things have completely shut down as far as election counting and vote counting in Arizona and Nevada two of the most critical, pivotal states in regards to the balance of power in Washington. Now, I understand that things happen, and there's been a, a, a apparently a printer problem in one of the biggest counties in Arizona, which has delayed the counting of ballots. But my question is, and this was my question in the last election cycle as well, is why are these only happening in the swing states? If these are just random human error events, then why are we not seeing it in Kentucky? Why aren't we seeing it in Kansas? Why aren't we seeing, seeing them in these states that are sort of kind of known, uh, whether they're going to be red or blue? It only seems to happen. In the last cycle, it was only the swing states where everything completely shut down and only tends to be in the urban areas. So I hate to say it, but here we go again. The largest county in Arizona in the state that matters the most, all of a sudden we're delayed by days. So what is happening? What is the delay? And if it's a printer problem, can't that just be fixed and counted? I don't completely understand. So they're expecting some of the election results to not be back until Friday. And so I'm probably not going to be able to give a lot more information as far as the outcome of this election until next week's podcast. But be assured that I'll be watching it very closely. And some of these delays just is, it's just not a good look. And, and it's frustrating to me um, as we're trying to look forward for this election integrity issue, um, why this is happening again, but only in these targeted areas, it seems. 
And so I can be patient. I'm not always patient by nature, but my question is why do I need to be patient? Why is there not a, an immediate outcome as is in all other 48 states that have given us results? Why just these two states, the ones that matter, and last election, it was about six states, only the ones that mattered. Now, they may say, well, there are, these are the ones that are close. That's why they're swing states. They need to be counted. But a vote is a vote and a count is a count. And it shouldn't make any difference based on, on the importance unless there's a reason for it. So there's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> So we'll see what comes out here, and hopefully there's not mysterious numbers of votes that come in at the last second that seem to fall from the sky. So what I want to talk about is obviously the most important thing that applies that I, from my perspective, the most important aspect of this election and any election in my lifetime for sure. And you've heard me talk about this over and over again, and you probably can fill in the blank, but it's the issue of abortion. Now, this issue this year has been extremely interesting because they, uh, because of Roe versus Wade being overturned and the historical uh, miraculous nature of what that happened, I'm still just dumbfounded that that was the case. Now, the, the liberal uh, side of our country has used that as a rallying cry to try to get out to the, out the vote so that there is no restriction on access to abortion. So that's been their, their mantra. I felt like um, it was probably um, uh, overrepresented, the, the enthusiasm for that, because as Republicans or as conservatives, I would also rank that as my number one issue, and I would also look to get out to the vote because of the moral standard and issue connected to abortion as well. And so I thought, and as this red wave was being predicted, that that would be the case, that actually the, 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 the moralistic and the conservative side, the pro-life side of the argument would be well represented. Now, maybe all the talk of the red wave was something that maybe kept people from voting or, or, or a predetermined, um, felt like it was inevitable. And so uh, it made people more complacent. But the red wave, as predicted, did not seem to come as strong. And then when we look to uh, sort of these exit polls, now exit polls are very accurate because we're getting responses immediately after. I'm reading an article from Politico written by Stephen Shepard, and it was released about nine hours ago. So this is hot off the press. It says, while Republicans are still favored to win the House majority and could yet flip the Senate too, their gains were curtailed, in large part because even dissatisfied voters view the Donald Trump-led GOP as an unpalatable option, and because of anger over the Supreme Court's abortion decision this summer. In the national election poll uh, pool exit poll conducted by Edison Research, roughly three in four voters describe the condition of the U.S. economy as either poor or not so good. And 73% said they were dissatisfied or angry about the way things were going in the country today. While voters said inflation was the most important issue to them, it only barely topped abortion, 31% to 27%. In Pennsylvania, where Dem Democrat John Fetterman flipped a GOP-held Senate seat to fuel his party's hopes of keeping the chamber, 
abortion, 36%, actually outranked inflation, 29%. Now, as you may have heard several of my other podcasts, uh, my hope was that abortion would become the number one topic and and perhaps the overturning of Roe v. Wade absolutely made that to be the case because of the intention that it brought. Now, obviously, that was a wonderful uh, decision by the Supreme Court to protect human life and to send it back to the states where it's not certain that that will always protect human life, but at least uh, removes the constitutional right to an abortion. And so I was wanting abortion to be the number one issue, but not exactly like this. As we're seeing exit polling showing in Pennsylvania where the Democrat actually won fairly surprisingly uh, by a surprisingly large margin, that abortion was what fueled some of that blue wave in that area. Now, I believe that we can do sort of a postmortem analysis on some of that, but I felt like heading into this election that there was a a GOP or a conservative mumbo jumbo, like not a real uniform, not a real coherent message about how we as conservatives are going to respond to this abortion issue. I believe it's the number one issue and we need to be completely prepared and ready to give a response. There was a lot of pushback and commercials and money put in to sort of the extremism of conservatives in regards to rape and incest, rape and incest, and and uh, abortion being on the ballot and 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 uh, and and touting the conservatives as extremists. And because of that, I believe, unfortunately, it was fairly effective. Now, that concerns me because we, as the body of Christ, we are the ones who defend life. We're the ones that need to have a real coherent answer. And I'm not so sure that the politicians representing the pro-life movement did a good enough job explaining the moralistic standard and, and, and position of a pro-life advocate. Towards the end of the cycle, as we got a little bit closer, very close to the election, it seemed like the GOP started to get some footing um, touting the Democrats as the real extremists on this issue. And as, as even some of the Democrats were questioned about, about abortion limits, they would say things like, I don't want any limits. Well, that's an extreme position that not even mainstream America uh uh, or even the majority of, of moderates would even agree with. No limits? Like abortion right up to the time of delivery? That is not a popular position. And of course, that is the absolute opposite position that we ought to take as ambassadors of heaven. See, we have a moral high ground on this issue and we need to have the mentality that we do and we should actually look to discuss it. I believe that we uh, took the victory of Roe v. Wade getting overturned and and sort of cowered in the corner hoping that this would just sort of blow over instead of actually taking the real issue and taking the win in front of the American people and creating a coherent message. 
Instead, I think it was mumbo jumbo. Not everybody was saying the same thing. Not everybody meant the same thing. Everybody took a little bit of a different position. I talked even about our governor uh, candidate, uh, Scott Jensen, all of a sudden saying, let's focus on the real things that matter. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. That was offensive to those of us who believe that abortion is the main thing that matters. So we can't shy away from it or hope that it isn't talked about. But we actually see it as a real issue to run on. And I believe with the right language and, and the right prepping and, and, the, and the right vetting that we can actually bring a message of mor- the moralistic high ground to our country and actually defend it from a position of power and a position of coherence so that people receive the message. So remember, we have very simple messaging that I would like to submit to you. One, when does life begin? That is the ultimate question. It's the only question. Because if it's a human life protected as a citizen of our country, then that actually trumps human liberty. Liberty is very important. Liberty is a very big thing, but it doesn't trump somebody's life. Your personal liberty doesn't allow you to take a life. And so when they answer, answer, or if they do have an answer, which many of them don't, when does life begin? Then the next question is, what gives you the authority to make that decision for other people? They're going to realize that they have no authority. They're just shooting in the dark. Heartbeat, consciousness, viability. These are all different answers that people give. We actually have history on our side. Because people with power have decided in the past that others are less than human and therefore can be terminated. Those are ugly parts of history and history have shown that people that have uh, connected themselves to those positions have been on the wrong side of history. We can appeal to the American people that how will history look at us? How will the future look at us? How will our children look at us? How will we be judged? And we have to have the position that we are responsible to change the hearts of the people. Changing the hearts of the people. It's a quote from William Wilberforce. I have a whole series called May the Force Be With You about examining William Wilberforce's life and his ability to end the slave trafficking and slave trade in in England And he did it almost single-handedly with a group and a team. And he did it politically, and he did it in his lifetime. Now, make no mistake about it, the issue of slavery at the time of Wilberforce directly affected people's livelihoods. It was inconvenient. It would have an economic effect. Uh, It affected personal property, and it absolutely affected personal privacy. All of these things were at stake with slavery. Does that list sound familiar in the conversation that we've been having in regards to abortion? But he was able to sway human hearts with a moral argument. His goal was to change the hearts of the people. 
My friends, politicians, it is not their role and it is not their purpose to legislate behavior. They respond to the people. And at hearts, when the hearts are changed, when people's hearts are changed, the, the representatives, the political representatives also will need to change accordingly. That's why we saw mumbo jumbo because the Republicans felt like maybe this was an unpopular position to be in this place of trying to defend life. And, and instead they began to backpedal and to stutter and not exactly know their position. And that is not the messaging that is needed in this time. We are in a unique opportunity and a unique time in history because Roe v. Wade was just turned, which nobody could ever have seen that coming. But it happened. And, and our, our country is being shifted onto a moral background, a moral backbone. There was a shift that took place. And what an opportunity for us to work on our messaging, to, to go on the offensive. I don't say that in an arrogant way. I don't say that in a mean way. I don't say that trying to hurt people. But we need to, um, we need to take this position and we need to run with it because it is our legacy. How will history look at us? How will the future generations look at us? So what can we learn from this midterm mumbo jumbo? We can do better. We can go on the offensive. We can actually help pro-life politicians with their messaging. How do we do that? Podcasts like this, uh, talking to our children, going out into the public forum, um, having conversations, real conversations with people, finding articles you, be you believe with and, 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 and giving it to other people, an exchange of information and ideas. Because, because we can't just sit and say, well, the moral standard, uh, the, the, the tide, the current of the moral standard is such, uh, shifting to such a degree that we're just helpless. Just come back, Jesus. That can't be our position because we are actually placed here to actually do the work, to actually change the hearts of the people. I believe that's part of the reason I'm here on this earth, and I believe this topic, this topic is, is the one that I want to be remembered by. I want my family to be remembered by, that we actually stood up so that when history looks at us, we can be the William Wilberforces of this world that was brave enough to actually bring discourse to the, to the human mind and to the human condition and to society and to our culture and says that this is the moral right thing to do. When we take a stance that life begins at conception, we can never be wrong. Let me say that again. When we take a stance that life begins at conception, we as a society and a culture can never be wrong. We can never be judged by the future generations. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. We can leave this midterm and say, well, maybe it wasn't as great as what we would have hoped for. It wasn't a big, as big of a turnaround or, or a biggest, bigger change as we may have been wanting. But this is a command from the Bible. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. The opposite of being discouraged is being filled with courage. 
and that's what we need. And, and hopefully the exit polling from this midterm is an eye-opening uh, uh, impetus, uh, well, pro, a, a propulsion to move us forward on this topic and not lose heart. It's quite possible that the Republicans are going to take the House, uh, possibly the Senate. And if we take those two things, plus the overturning of Roe v. Wade, we'll take that any day of the week. So there is optimism here. There is hope. There is life. I think it will, it will slow down the, the liberal woke agenda and the overspending and, and the recklessness that has been going on in, in Washington. I believe that will be the case. So we have a lot to be encouraged about, but this is, I said this a hundred times already on these podcasts, the overturning of Roe v. Wade was the beginning and not the end. It's the beginning and we cannot lose momentum, hope, or courage. Thank you for listening to me again. I'd love to hear your feedback on the midterm elections. On my perspective today, go to pushbackculture.org, pushbackculture.org, and leave your comment, concern, or question, any future topics. I'm going to get back to powerful parenting. I have a top 10 list that I'm working through. I believe these are so important. I'm working through it with my family as well, and I hope that you do too. So thanks for listening to me again this week. Now let's go together to set and shape the culture.